Welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Oh, hey, what's going on? This is Just Dad Reading Books. I'm here with my friend EJ. And I'm here with my friend Matt. Oh, hi. What's going on? Hey, hey, EJ. Uh, we did it. We made it over the hurdle that is a very, very it. long book. Well, I say very, very long. Not crazy long, but among the longer books we've read for this show. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to be diving into thousand-page books on this show, but yeah. this one this one had some meat on the bone. <laughs> this well, one had some meat. Especially after two weeks of just picture books, I got spoiled by like <laughs> research for this show taking me all of 20 minutes, and then it was like, right. oh, wait, I got to I gotta batten I gotta down the hatches down. and do this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I literally just finished it. I've been listening to it today to try and finish it in time. and uh, Listening to it on double speed and everything. <laughs> I will say... I was lucky uh-huh. enough to get an e-reader for Christmas, uh, yeah. so I can actually, I, God forbid I ever read an actual <laughs> physical book, but I can listen to them and I can read them on a digital interface. I'm almost there, everyone. I'm almost ready to read a book. <laughs> Something about paper cuts and turning pages, yeah. Uh, I, I'm also not somebody who's down to clown with books, so um, which is funny because this whole podcast is about us reading, but it's yep. really about us listening. Yeah, I um, like uh, I like whoever it was on one of the discords who said just just dads <laughs> listening to audiobooks is the name of which our is, show, <laughs> which is basically what we're doing. Yes, yep. yes, uh, you've, you've solved it. So uh, yes, today we read uh, Christopher Paolini's Aragon, the first of the Inheritance Cycle series. Uh, this is a book I have never checked out before but it's that one you've it was such a huge massive crazy hit it's like i feel like anyone maybe five to ten years younger than us uh i've seen it on every single one of their bookshelves like like i can think of like my wife's little brother like i know i've seen all of these books out on their bookshelves and and i just feel like this was a thing that i just barely missed the boat on it's kind of younger skewing fantasy that came out Mm -hmm. in like 2002 really like 2004 or five ish for like the proper publication so it wasn't you know it wasn't catching fire until i was finishing high school basically so it was a little young it was a little young for me uh when and i wasn't you know diving into fantasy or anything like that at that point so i wonder what your experience uh in, in your you know being younger if you remember much about this book yeah, no, I definitely remember it. Um, growing up, middle school, you know, you would see folks carrying this this book around. Um, you know, definitely the more eclectic kids would carry this yeah. sort of book around. You know, chunky. The, it looks like very that chunky. kid's a reader that could read right. fantasy books. <laughs> right, yeah, I definitely think it, and it definitely falls into, like, kind of that intro to fantasy yes. that we're talking about. Um, it's... It's it's really high fantasy though. Like yeah. I think one of the things I was surprised about um, as I was reading this book was um, this does this does kind of <laughs> I mean obviously it's a lot of fantasy tropes. You can't sure. get away from that. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, 
you know, when Christopher wrote this book at the age of 15, wow. um, you know, <laughs> we'll talk really, more about yeah. that, but hey, yeah, yeah, we will, we will. When <laughs> Christopher wrote this book at the age of 15 and that was kind of the big allure to it. I remember, I remember knowing that at a yeah. young age, like knowing it, like, you know, what, when did this come out? 2002. So yeah. knowing at 10, 11 years old, uh, for me that, Hey, this, this was actually written by somebody who's close to my age now. Right. Like, right. uh, I, th- I always thought that was very interesting, but me not being a very big reader, uh, you know, I definitely knew about it. Um, I just did not uh, bother to take the time yeah. uh, to go out of my way to read it myself. It was definitely coming out at like a peak moment, which is to say, you know, Fellowship of the Ring, the movie came out in 2001 and there was a lot of hype coming out for that. And then, you know, it's like from 2001 through 2003 that these are coming out. And then you get this like sort of very much derived from the legacy mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings style fantasy. I mean, basically, so the, the takeaway for me, like you're saying, it's high fantasy, but it's really high fantasy that makes a lot of assumptions about what you know about fantasy. It's not that invested in um, over explaining the fantastical elements of its world. It's sort of as like, yeah, 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 magic. You know, there's magic in fantasy. And yes, you know, there's sort of orc type characters and there's elves and there's dwarves and there's dragons. It, it's like those things are never justified in any way, which is fine to a certain yeah. extent. It's sort of just like, hey, let's just get into it. Like, let's get into the to, to the plot rather than like, tears. you yeah. know, we don't have to do extenuous uh, ex, you know, too much world building, as it were. Yeah, not a lot of world building in the front half. But to Chris's credit, um, this book does have unique takes on yeah, those. Things. Absolutely, a unique take on magic. Uh, is yeah. is one of the things that um really stuck out to me. Is we we talk about on this show a lot about fantasy books and fantasy tropes and stuff. And I think Christopher does a good job of of leaning into those without. You know, but, but but bringing his own fresh take on mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I don't think that there's anything in this book that, you know, you wouldn't expect. But um, it's it's definitely refreshing to hear some different ways that yeah, magic yeah. happens, right? Like, I like the idea of proximity magic and, like, the way that your energy gets strained, right? right? Like, it's, right. it's sort of mana, uh, but, yeah. but in a way, it's like this. Well, that's the I feel like that's the thing about, you know, more modern fantasy, especially, like, a fantasy thing written by a 15-year-old kid mm-hmm. is, like, not only is, does this kid have to be pulling from, like, literary influences, but we're also at the point where we're talking about people that are inspired by video game influences. And so right. that idea of mana and mana having an energy drain on you that feels more lifted from the dungeons and dragons tabletop stuff and like the actual just like baldur's gate whatever video gamey world or it's <laughs> like listen if you run out of mana like that's it that is a resource that exists in with you know with a specific am- amount to it or whatever so that i this this book definitely for big portions of it almost felt the most like a video game to me than as opposed to like a movie like there's a movie adaptation that I think is not very well received, but I'm surprised there was never like an Aragon video game. Yeah, it definitely comes across as a Leroy Jenkins there at the end too, doesn't it? It, it is very much a get your raid party together yeah, uh, battle is. at the end where you slay a final boss. It, it is. It really does. It culminates to this. Uh, this very wild uh, final battle where yeah. Aragon's got to slay the big bad, you know? Right. So, yeah, I definitely see that now that you've mentioned it. I probably, I, I don't think I really picked up on that while I was reading, but now that, I, that you brought it up. I definitely felt that way mostly with the magic thing. I think the other cool trick and the most unique thing for me that Christopher was bringing to the table is this is a, you know, I think there is a large 
slew of dragon books. Like there's fantasy and then there's dragon books. And those are two yeah. separate things. And yeah. it's it's a shame we didn't bring on uh, our our mutual friend, Son Sanders, because I don't know any more expert, like any bigger expert in dragon books than Son Sanders. And, and he he's probably read all four of these books uh, a couple times in his life. Um, mm-hmm. But this felt like something very much for him. But but a dragon book is you know similar also to like movies. Like I don't know if you grew up with Dragon Heart or anything like that. There's a lot of no. dragon movies. Uh, but I don't know. There's something specific about how fantasy authors like to write about dragons. And Christopher's take I think is really cool, which is that our main character, although at first doesn't know it, is essentially a part of a lineage of dragon writers. And yeah. part of being a dragon writer is that you have a psychological mental link with a dragon. And so once once uh, our, our titular character, Aragon, hatches mm-hmm. a dragon egg, uh, he and that dragon are forever linked mentally and, and can commune with each other through their thoughts, which I think is cool because this story is told from like a third person sort of omniscient perspective, right. except for we get to see the conversations happening between Aragon and his dragon all throughout the book as well. And that's really the only time we spend really specifically in Aragon's thoughts is specific is exactly what he's saying to uh, his dragon. Yeah. Uh, I will take a brief detour on this. Uh, I just want to talk about the audiobook. Um, mm-hmm in particular because i think that i actually think that the narrator of this uh kind of did this book a disservice a little mm, bit mm-hmm. um only because aragon's 15 um aragon feels like he's 12 yeah, or 10 true. like very young in this book um uh you know i i just it, it does take you out of it you know it's one of those deals where if i was reading this as a 15 year old boy um, I probably wouldn't have gone with such a childish kind of whimsy. Yeah. Uh, and it's part of that is due to the writing, right? Aragon is rather naive. Yeah. Um, right. For a lot of this book, um, Aragon has a lot of empathy um, naturally, but then Aragon kind of evolves into this, uh, I don't know, just, he, you know, he doesn't mind killing by the end, you know, and it's very. <laughs> That's such a real, that's just such a 15 year, yeah. you know, like I hate, I hate that for this book because, you know, I really like Aragon's empathy throughout mm-hmm. the whole book. And then it just kind of evolves into, yeah, but you got to kill sometimes, you right. know, and right. then it like, it's like, like a lesson then, he learns at one, like another right. character is like, Hey, sometimes we murder people. And it's like, sometimes oh, we murder. And I, was that supposed to be a good lesson? <laughs> I thought, oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, obviously bad people exist bad things exist in this world and they need to be slain right they're they're like entities of pure evil right Right. at least that's how they're framed um but you know uh just kind of completely you know it just feels like it ruins aragon's character by the end of this book Mm -hmm. um unfortunately because i think that uh you know like i said throughout the book aragon you know reckoning with with murder and (laughs) killing you know is something that is should be met with a little bit more weight. And I think mm-hmm. that, um, you know, Christopher Paolini, I think maybe at his age, just, just didn't finish that thought, yeah. you know? Well, um, that, okay. That's a great point to bring this in more is this idea that, you know, this is written by like a kid. And I think inherent to that is this is written like how a, 
you know, a teenager perceives fantasy novels to be about high fantasy events and, you know, big battles and and magic and things like that. And Mm -hmm. maybe it lacks the sort of nuance of something that uses those aspects as tools to teach, you know, more human lessons or whatever. And I think that is something that Aragon lacks a little bit of. Is it it mostly feels like kind of a fun jaunt. Now that's not to say there are multiple characters throughout this story that are um people who basically are keep being charged with uh, you know being in charge of Aragon and teaching him right. lessons. And you get a lot of specific lessons. But that was ended up being kind of my gripe with the book is everything it seems like Aragon learns, he is like more or less explicitly told rather than it being any sort of thing he learns and and gains the lesson of it's just like a person being like and that's why you always leave a note or whatever like <laughs> i was going to say that <laughs> it's just it, it doesn't really i don't know it doesn't feel like character growth really it feels like yeah. this is a series of people uh, that Aragon meets that are gonna each sort of teach him things. One of them is like, it's cool to murder. One of them is like, I don't know, you, I'm an elf woman, and you, some, <laughs> that that does strange things to you, Aragon, you 15 year old boy. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I I I feel like so much of that is also steeped in how obsessed this book is with its mysteries and never fully justifying any of the mysteries basically he keeps meeting characters that are like come with me i will show you the way and he's like yeah. well who are you and they're like now now we won't get to that until <laughs> later because this is quite a long book and i have lots of pages to fill before i can just tell you everything and then later comes and they're like okay now is the time where i'll tell you everything oh wait tell you- i'll leave out one detail and i'll tell you yeah. that i'm leaving out that one detail so that i can tell it to you later if you must know aragon and then a dragon bursts into yeah, the room yeah. you know like <laughs> You're like, oh, man, well, we right. almost got there, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, uh, we string it along over and over and over again with multiple characters. Just like nobody wants to tell Aragon about what's actually going on until the writer decides now is a good moment to reveal that to the reader. And that's what it feels like. Rather than these things like naturally evolving the mystery and revealing things in like a logical way, it just feels like the writer now decided this is a good time for the character to reveal the next part of the exposition or whatever. There's definitely, there's definitely a lot of flaws with this one. Um, one thing that I will say about this and again, to, to Chris's credit, cause it, you know, I didn't write a book at 15 years old. No. So, oh my goodness, and I didn't no. write a New York best selling author at <laughs> no 15 way. years old. Right. So it's yeah. easy to be critical yeah, yeah, of, sure. of, of something like this. Uh, it, it is really easy to be critical of it. And, um, I think that Chris overall formulates a decent enough story mm-hmm. um, to where I wouldn't mind reading the rest of the inheritance cycle. Well, yeah, I mean, if if only to see how he evolves as a writer. Yes, uh, this feels very much like that. There's kind of, I think, a cliche in. I mean, it's a very freshman attempt, right? Like, it's a very first book. It's a very. Right. I have such a bigger story to tell. Mm -hmm. So for my first book, I'm going to keep the scale of everything low and and make it a very tame sort of thing so that I can continually ramp it up, right? If they just start things with high fantasy in the first book, there's nowhere to go from there. Um, and, And I think part of that for me is really just maybe a flaw in the perspective of the narration. I mean, that's why I get into... 
things like uh, things like Game of Thrones, but then you know using this show as reference, things like the Kyoshi books, where like that first Kyoshi book, we have two perspectives, right? We have two characters that we're following, and we get to bounce back and forth. And one of them is old and wise, and we can learn about the world from them. And one of them is young and impressionable, and we can be onboarded through Kiyoshi's eyes, stuff like that. Like this mm-hmm. one, Aragon feels exclusively onboarding without any real ability to like do proper world building even though it, i mean it does and, and i'm not giving it enough credit like there's parts where you know you're meeting characters that are being really sly with their speech because they're very diplomatic they're dealing with diplomatic means um, right it just feels so often though that there's there's a huge chunk of the book where it just feels like we're hanging out in like a city and and i can't even hardly wrote, tell you like all the important events from that city aside from like meeting a couple of the characters that we meet it doesn't do a whole lot of showing it does a lot of telling right. um and you know that's just an inexperienced writer. Um, mm-hmm. A lot and of that's going to shine through. I bet they get so much better because it's like that. You know that Christopher Paolini learned a lot from this first right. one, and he I mapped mean, out what the rest of the series was going to look like. But then he grew into adulthood over the course right. of writing these four books. There's no right. way that's not going to reflect itself in the story going forward. Right? Yeah, you would you would hope so. I think one of the things, like like you were saying, it was funny because we were talking beforehand. Uh, about which part of the book we thought was better. And you yeah. said that the first half you liked more than the second half. And I said that the second half was probably a little bit better if n- for nothing more than, you know, we gained a sense of scale Yes, uh, in the I second agree. half of the book, um, which we didn't have in the first half. The first right. half of the book is is us trying to figure out where these cities are, mm-hmm. uh, what what sort of distances are we traveling? Right. Uh, what sort of what do these places look like? You know, are they large? Are they small? You know, there's not really a whole lot of Mm-mm. figuring out what the world looks like around yeah, I, what's I happening, and it's, yeah. it's it's that's disappointing. But then in the second half of the book, we we get met with this big vast desert. We mm-hmm. we get met with these tall mountains. We get met with these vast landscapes um, underground you know, city that is a whole thing in itself city. exactly yeah. it's 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 like if this if this kind of writing was also present in the first half yeah. of the book you probably could have a cut the book in half and, and made it into two <laughs> books and b made the first half of your book i think a lot better you know mm-hmm. i think it would have definitely spoken a lot more at least to somebody who is a little bit more um you know, uh, a better, you know, somebody who has a knowledge of fantasy right. writings and readings. Right. Yeah. I, I think even when I say I like the first half more, that's not even being totally honest. It's mostly like the first yeah. maybe quarter. I like the right. setup. I like Aragon in his town. I like when it is on a scale that is understandable and mm-hmm. the mystery is it makes sense why it's a mystery. Basically, there comes a point where Aragon hatches this egg. He meets a character. The character is going to take him on the road from the time they get on the road and start doing stuff. That's when exactly what EJ is describing. I agree fully with it's like, oh, now we're just I don't know. Where are we going? What's happening? Why are we doing this? We literally don't know why we're doing it because the character leading us along the way won't tell us. All we know is we're like running away from the from bad people or whatever. Um, And and I spent a long time in that first half not really understanding that. But it was just those like first, I don't know maybe like six or seven chapters or so, maybe more. They're pretty short chapters, maybe like the first 10 chapters. I liked that world, the world that Aragon starts in. And if anything, I'm almost sad that we didn't sort of harken back and 
back to that more. But we do like to- towards the end, all of a sudden, Aragorn starts like bringing up missing the. He, they they get to this city towards the end of the book, and they get to actually take some rest. They they've been like literally riding as fast as they can across the desert and through the mountains and all this stuff, and they get to finally slow down. And Aragorn takes a minute and is like oh, dang, I miss home. <laughs> like, I really, really miss home and, and, and the peace that I used to have. And I was really, really glad for that moment. And I was really glad for um, Aragon to to be able to take that sort of thing. And, and it's like one of the moments, I think, in the book where you feel the effects of what this journey has done to Aragon and all that. I just, I that was when a lot of the end started to justify itself for me. Whereas there was a good chunk of just the whole middle where I was like, what are we doing? Is this kid like gonna actually do anything and i i do think it wraps up that doubt really well so it's like i i found myself doubting it in the middle and then by the end i was like no no no, it was all worth it actually in the end even if it was just like maybe it felt slow for me and and part of that too is the nature of uh, we had a deadline to read this so i'm just kind of impatiently tapping my fingers trying to get through the whole book and that's not a fair criticism to level at the book that's that's the nature of me reading it well i think actually you know that's kind of the criticism that this entire thing gets anyways. It's just, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of meat that could have been cut off the bone on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, unfortunately, but yeah, overall, I think this book is, I think this book is decent. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, it's not really my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just, I just wish that there was more humanity to Aragon. A lot of times it feels like Aragon gets kind of objectified by mm-hmm. everybody. Uh, as like it. as like yeah i mean you know he's somebody who just is you know <laughs> is a tool to yeah. you know like uh like means right like right. he's some, he's a means to an end right right uh versus just like a human being um which i wish he was just treated more like that because i think that aragon flashes a lot of humanity um mm-hmm. throughout the book and then you know like i said in the end you kind of feel like uh, maybe he's not, you know, maybe he's just getting, being turned into this machine slash tool that they want him to be. And it's, uh, it's not really what I want to glean from that book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a question I have for you, EJ. Uh-huh. So, so, uh, Aragon and his dragon have this connection. Safira is the dragon's name. Mm-hmm. I keep just saying the dragon. Uh, there's actually specifically a point in the book where someone's like, your dragon. And he's like, Safira. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, Safira. I'll remember that for <laughs> later. And then I'm making the same mistake here. Anyways, um, there's there throughout the book, uh, Aragon and Safira are always having this mental link. And there's some sort of, uh, sense that like, the distance between them impacts how well they can communicate with each other. But something I found myself wondering, and I wonder if you have the answer, EJ, maybe, maybe you understood it better than I did, or maybe both of us being confused by it will reveal something. I never understood where Saphir was hanging out. Saphir spends a large chunk of this book in hiding. Nobody can know that this dragon is around, but she's a big old dragon. Like she's a big, big dragon. I didn't ever understand where she was yeah. that was actually so well concealed. And, it, and it's like they have to move it all the seemed- time. She's not just in one spot the whole book. It's like where when they're traveling, is she just so high up in the sky that no one thinks to look up and see the dragon up there? I don't even understand where this dragon is most of this book. 
it's baffling because you have to imagine that at a time like this, there's not a lot of flying creatures. Yeah, we're not going to confuse the world. her for a plane, right? Exactly. There's not like a plane in the sky. Like there's only dragon. So yeah, and also how easily accessible she is, like to Aragon. Yeah. It feels like all the time, like she's nearby, like right, right. always. It's, she's she's just off screen. out of sight from everyone else but then but aragon <laughs> but at multiple like, points goes i need you Foosh, she's there she's laying <laughs> there you're like what? what what does that mean i don't even yeah she was just she just hides behind trees really well i don't know it was very I, perplexing where she spends all of her time yeah uh yeah oof. <laughs> that's a tough one that is a tough one i, I didn't you know honestly i didn't even really think about it. i did think about it once whenever aragon like there was like this whole um, arc where Aragon had to hide her, right? Yes. Like, and I know what you're talking about. Like, the, the arc is probably like 200 pages, but it's yeah. it's a long time where he's got to hide Safira from the world. And there were times in that in that whole arc, I'm like, where, where are we? <laughs> yeah, where are we? Because Aragon is in a very populated city, right. but then apparently all he has to do is go just outside the city gates, and there she and is. And there she is. And there she is. Uh, they don't look on that side of the wall. That's uh, that's not what they do. So, yeah, just it. There's some baffling choices, and like I said, I I like to try and give this book a little bit of a break, um, just because it, I I don't think it's bad. I no, just, I really I, don't. I I hate that I'm being I just negative. Think that it's, yeah, um, but it's it's just it's just not for me. It's mm-hmm. not um you know and and it's not for me right like it's a book written for children so (laughs) So that's the other thing to think about but well and that's uh, what this this fits into that category then right because we've talked about plenty of books where we're like this even though it was written for children feels like it was also written for me and i just didn't feel that with aragon aragon leans more on that scale of it's it feels like it's written for teenagers to maybe by a teenager yeah by a teenager (laughs) i mean that's what i'm saying it's not even introduce like okay we wanted to read this one because we're on our sort of quest right ej we're on our quest to sort of like explore the world of Mm -hmm. introducing kids to fantasy and my the thing i take issue then is what we talked about at the beginning is it doesn't even feel like aragon introduces anyone to fantasy it feels like it assumes you know fantasy and here's another big fantasy book outside of i do agree with you that the magic is kind of explained and given sort of a a weight Mm -hmm. to it that feels um, like it's furthering a kid's interest in that sort of world, right? Like you could read Aragon, and then when you go play some fantasy video game, you're like, this is what that would feel like. That manner represents the way Aragon felt every time he did a right. healing spell. And like, like, I think that I think there's a weight to that that is interesting. But most of the other stuff, it's like, I don't, I, I don't know that we're introducing any fantasy concepts, really. Yeah, I would say that this is a, this is a miss. Um, in terms of you know the road to Terry Pratchett um, <laughs> sort yeah. of stuff, like you can glean these things, and I you know honestly I don't mind books that don't explain the world, right? Sure. Like sure. we're gonna read plenty of books that don't explain the world because uh, you shouldn't have to all right. the time. If the you're world good doesn't at, explain itself to you, it, why why? And should if the you're book good enough explain? at the world at the world building part, right? Like if you're good enough at the storytelling part, yeah. all the other stuff will make sense. Right. And I think that's kind of where Aragon falls a little bit flat is there's a lot of over explanation. There's a lot of, um, you know, that thing that we talked about, I think it was in, uh, Percy Jackson, uh, that thing we talk about with, 
uh, oh, you remember this thing? Remember yeah, like yeah. from earlier, right. you know, it, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of, um, yeah, there's just a lot of not, um, not a whole lot of sustenance uh, mm-hmm. in the, in the world building. And, uh, you know, if we're talking about introducing, you know, our children, uh, uh, to fantasy, um, this isn't, this, this isn't it. Yeah. This isn't the direction I would want to go. I want to, I want to find something more interesting something that, that tells, you know, a, a more nuanced story maybe, or, or, or whatever. Yeah. I, I would, <laughs> if anything, it's just the thing of, man, you could probably fit in three shorter fantasy novels and get a way more, you know, way more substance, uh, than, than you get out of this one pretty long fantasy book. It's and it's not to say that this may not be on the road necessarily, yeah, right? Um, but it it is definitely not an entry point. No, um, right? You, there's no way that I would you know I would see my daughter come home with this book and be like, "What have you? What what kind of uh, <laughs> what kind of uh, work have you done to get to this point? <laughs> you know, like like I'd feel like a job interview. I'd be like, "What do you think? Show your how work. do you how do you think that you can read this right yeah, now? Because yeah. you." Like there's no way that you could know what this any of this means. You're gonna spend uh, so much time confused in this book, right? Maybe because let's, let's do something else first. Because because it does lean a lot on oh you should just know this already. You should yeah. just know what these things are. So right. yeah, uh, yeah, I'd definitely say this is one that I would judge my kid for for bringing home, especially <laughs> if it was early in her uh, in her uh, reading of yeah. If she's if she's novels. if she's 13, it's like hey come on hey come yeah. on. <laughs> Like, I mean, yeah. Uh, what are you doing? You know, uh, pick up this book instead, you know? Right. Uh, so, but overall, not, not bad. Not for me. Um, well, we have some, uh, shorter stuff coming up on the menu. Uh, ooh. next week we are exploring, uh, he- here's the story of what's happening next week. We have a book called the last Quintista. The last Quintista is sort of a departure from our fantasy stuff. And I don't mm-hmm. know, I would, I would say without knowing specifically what it's about, uh, it's very much in our quest to find good children's sci-fi, uh, and I'm very excited. We we just looked up lists of good uh, recent sci-fi, and this was like mm-hmm. way up on the list. Like people are just go like talking a lot about this book. It came out uh, 2021, so it's a very recent thing. But uh, it's gonna be about some people that leave Earth Let's and uh, and the girl that is the only person who can remember what Earth was like and has to tell everyone what Earth was like in their new planet that they live on so that sounds big and heavy and i i wonder how it will be as a kid's thing i'm very very excited to see if if they can pull it off we recently read a book and we'll go over this next week we recently read a book called aurora Mm -hmm. which is an adult book and we did tell you in a prior episode to go read that book and that is still true adults get it get out of the room go read that book (laughs) um kids last quintista yeah, uh, that, your Aurora, I, I can't apparently. recommend it yet, but I just reading about this book. I I don't know if I've been more hyped for a book on our podcast. Yeah, yeah, this one's very. It's like th- this is up there with uh, how I was feeling going into Root Magic, basically. Yes. Yeah. Well, we will see you next week as we dip into some sci-fi. If you're gonna hatch a dragon egg, you might have to be prepared to kill somebody. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Anyways, bye everyone. <laughs>